Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, the Bud Light Big Game Week. Five live shows here from Las Vegas, broadcasting live from Radio Row. Uh, But, of course, back in Richmond, it is a VCU game day. The Rams are on the road to the Bronx, New York, to take on Fordham 4-5 in the A-10. You can hear that game tonight right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105-1 FM. So let's preview that game and go around all the college hoops action in the state of Virginia with University Drive. Let's go to University Drive. Scores, buzzer beaters, madness. All the college basketball in the state of Virginia. We'll follow your favorite teams all season long. University Drive on AWOD Radio. So look, this is not the easiest game for VCU. They're coming off of the high of beating Richmond. They're crossed down rival 63-52 to last Saturday. And they've got a big game coming up Friday at the Stew with Dayton coming to town. Uh, this is a trap game. This has trap game written all over it. Fortunately, though, for the Rams, they're going to get Sean Berstow back. John Rothstein reported earlier today Berstow is ready to go for the Rams. He has not played since January 27th uh, in that game against Davidson. He got hurt, rib contusion there in the final four minutes of that win. Missed the game against St. Bonaventure. Rams could have used him. And then against Richmond, VCU just played so well as a team, rebounded so well as a team, defended so well as a team that they were able to mask the offensive output that you would have gotten from a Sean Barristow. Uh, Fordham coming into this game, they had lost to Duquesne and Richmond, two straight losses, but then a solid victory over St. Louis, 67-65. Fordham is a tall team. They rebound well, and they also score a lot of points. They actually score more than VCU at 73.6 points a game. The problem, they give up 73.5. It's never good when you're giving up just .1 less point than you're scoring. BCU scoring 72.3 points per game, giving up 66.1. So Fordham has the rebounding advantage. BCU has the assist advantage. Fordham has the steals advantage. 8.6 steals a game. That kind of surprised me here going through the stats of this game. I didn't realize they were that good defensively. So I do think it could be a lower scoring game uh, tonight as the Rams try to make it two wins in a row and avoid the trap game loss with the big game against Dayton coming up on Friday. You'll hear this game tonight right here on 910 The Fan. Let's go over to the Richmond Spiders, the other team here in the 804 in Henrico. And uh, so look here, the Spiders coming off of the loss to VCU, 63-52. They've got a few days here to kind of wait and game plan for LaSalle. That game's coming up on Saturday, 2 p.m. game. Uh, That should be a win for the Spiders here as they just have to stay locked in. Cannot let that loss to VCU have them spiral into a few losses, but they have a really good part of the schedule here where they're home against LaSalle. That's a win. They're home against UMass. Uh, UMass is 5-4. and four. That's not going to be the easiest game for the Spiders, uh, but at home they should be able to win that. Then you're at GW, who's really fallen off. They have lost a few games in a row, dropped to 3-5 and five in the conference. And then you're at Rhode Island, and Rhode Island's 4-5. and five. So I think these are winnable games 
for Richmond to stay atop of the conference. Eight and one tied with the Dayton Flyers. Let's move over to Blacksburg, talk a little Virginia Tech Hokies on University Drive. So I was watching the game this past weekend. You had two opportunities for the Hokies to get a big win that would really help them in the net rankings here. You were at home against number seven, Duke. I thought they had every opportunity in the first half of that game. Got away from them, they lose by 10. Then you're at Miami, and this was the disappointing defeat. At, at, up by nine at half, extended that lead to 10, but gave up 56 points in the second half as Miami came back and stole that game from the Hokies, 82-74 to 74 in that game. They were led by Omir and George. Both had 16 points. Cleveland had 15. Nigel Pack had 14. I mean, that's really good scoring um, from the starters of Miami. For Virginia Tech, Sean Padula doing his thing. He had 21 points. Hunter Couture, 19. But the problem has been the same all season long. They don't have a consistent third scorer. Yes, you got 10 points from Robbie Barron. You got 10 points from Tyler Nickel. But it wasn't enough. And it's come down to defense for the Hokies this year. Defense and the amount of times that they turn the ball over offensively. They had 11 turnovers. Seven of them were Sean Padula. And I get it. He's a ball-dominant point guard. He did have five assists. It's not like he had a bad game. But your point guard can't have seven turnovers on the road, and you expect to win that game. So tough two defeats for the Hokies. They will be at Notre Dame on Saturday, 5.30, on the CW Network. Let's talk a little UVA here on University Drive. So while the Hokies couldn't get the win against Miami, the Hoos were able to, 60-38. to 38. Just think about that for a second. Hokies lose 82-74. to 74. Virginia wins 60-38. to 38. They completely cut Miami's offense in half. More than that, giving up only 38 points. Omir led the Hurricanes in scoring with just 11 points. UVA this season has started to really lock down defensively later on in the season. At times when ACC play started, that was their issue. Away from home, they couldn't get enough stops. Now you're starting to see them get wins at JPJ and on the road with the pack line defense being so good. The issue, they're going to need some more scorers here. Beekman with 16 points, 9 from Isaac McNeely. Grove with 12 off the bench there. That's pretty good, but... Jordan Miner had been a guy that they could count on for some buckets down low. He only had two points. Ryan Dunn just feels like he's so inconsistent this season. I want him to be a double-digit scorer. I think he can be a walking double-double with his athletic ability. He had eight points and eight rebounds. Um, so not a bad game for Dunn. But I think if the Hoos are going to compete for an ACC title... They're going to need to score more points. And they have a game on Saturday at Florida State. That's going to be an 8 p.m. tip-off on the CW. Florida State was hot, has kind of fallen off. They're now 6-4 and four in conference play here as UNC stays top 10-1 and one in the ACC after their big win over Duke last weekend. Virginia right there in second place at 9-3, a game and a half behind the Tar Heels, and they still have that game against North Carolina coming up on February 24th, and then a game against Duke on March 2nd. As March Madness 
is right around the corner. And you got to stay locked to 910 The Fan for all of the latest college hoops action here in the state of Virginia. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. This is the Bud Light Big Game Week on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM for the Bud Light Big Game Week. Five live shows here from Radio Row in Vegas. Joining us right now from our sister station, 106.7 The Fan in Washington, D.C. Check them out weekdays from 10 to 2. Alongside Brian Mitchell is J.P. Finley. What's going on, J.P.? Awad, what's up, dude? How are you? I'm good, man. I think this is the first time I've had you on the show, man. Well... Thank you. Uh, I, I no, thank you for saying yes, dude. No problem, man. Uh, I had to walk about 10 feet. Right. But you did book me right as I got my free chicken wings that you guys have already <laughs> eaten. So I, I am a little, I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel you on that. Michael's been chowing down on his wings right in front of me. Whose so, bang bag is that? I think that's Michael's. That's a cool looking bag. Let me see this bag. Oh, yeah, that's Michael's bag. That's a cool-looking bag, yeah. Philly. Yeah, right? That's a that's a newspaper guy's bag. Sure, sure. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. Michael's not very high on Cliff Kingsbury. How are you? Probably higher than Phillips. Um, I don't know that the offense is going to run particularly well, but I like Cliff because he speaks quarterback. Okay. And that's what's most important. His track record developing these young quarterbacks is strong. His relationships with these guys and, and I think folks got to be honest the the odds are overwhelmingly against whoever gets drafted to come in and perform like CJ Stroud odds are right most of the time rookie quarterbacks struggle and you need the right guy in their corner for that and I think Cliff can be that and that to me is why I like to hire I, I don't I don't think Kingsbury should be sniffing another head coaching opportunity but I, I think an OC spot could work um now, do they have the staff, do they have the team, the players, the personnel to build for what Kingsbury wants? I don't know, but we'll find that out. I mean, they were going to overhaul it anyway. Um, I think because of kind of their timing in this coaching cycle, it was never going to – it was always – it wasn't going to be the hottest name because of where they were in line, basically. You know, the biggest critique for Kingsbury has been he doesn't adjust – his offense, he was 7-0 and with Kyler Murray. That season fell apart. But I think part of the reason why he had trouble adjusting was the head coaching role was just too much for him. I think he will be able to adjust just focusing in on the offense. I, that's the hope. I yeah. mean, I imagine when we talk to him, that's what he'll say. Yeah. I, I, think, um, I think we'll see if that's true. Like, it's, you can always explain away why something didn't happen and say I'm going to do it differently next time. But until it goes differently, you don't know that it's going to happen. J.P. Finley with us here, Radio Row. Check out B. Mitch and Finley on 106.7 The Fan. Always available on the Odyssey app. Have you gone on record which quarterback you'd like the commanders to take? I I don't want to trade up. I don't think they should trade up. Okay. I think Caleb will go number one. So assuming Caleb's not available, if the choice is Jaden or Drake, I'm on Jaden. Okay. If Caleb is available without trading up, then you take Caleb Williams. So I'm, I'm with you there on Jaden. I do fear the D.C. kid coming back to D.C., but the talent, I think, is just too – not trading up. If he's there at two, 
probably means Jaden goes one, I think, mm-hmm. and and I would go Caleb. So you're you're against trading up, just completely. Yeah. Okay. I because I just think Caleb is the sure home run. I think he was till this past season. Like if you had told me that last year, I'd be like, ah, you know, I get it. Yeah. I question. When you're 21 years old and probably making eight mil, and you're living in Los Angeles, and you're just you're experiencing life at a different plane, right? I I don't know how you then buy into a new team structure back at home where you got a million people asking you for a million things. I just I don't I don't know. Yeah, it no, it, it, it gives me pause. It's definitely the difficult part of the decision the commanders are going to make. We've been talking about also, you know, whether it's Drake May, Jane Daniels, or Caleb Williams, do they start week one? Well, and if they don't, is it Sam? I mean, there's um, no other option, right? There's no other option right now. Yeah, that doesn't mean there's no other option. Um, I don't I don't know. <laughs> It'll be well, and what are you what is Dan Quinn doesn't want to call it a rebuild. It's a recalibration, finding yeah. true north. <laughs> if you're starting that kid, you're pro- what? This is probably available. Do we know a win total for them for next year yet? We it have, might not be set yet. We talked about it earlier on five the and show. a half. I think they put it at six and a half. Oh, at six and a half. Take the under. Yeah. I, I mean, last place schedule. sure, last place schedule, and they're playing the NFC South instead. Of, like I, I, I get all those things, but. I, I don't think last year was all Ron Rivera, the coach. I think the, the personnel accumulated in Ashburn ain't exactly top-notch. And yeah. and I think the real organizational overhaul that needs to be done, I mean, that's the one thing I keep circling back to is not that wild about Quinn, although he impressed me more in person. Yeah. And I get the energy and the momentum he could bring. Not that wild about Kingsbury, though I really like that I think he can help a quarterback. But, like, Ron, the personnel guy, was bad. And Adam Peters walks into a bad situation. But it's because of Adam Peters that I have some excitement for the rebuild. But I think, dude, the first two years in San Fran, I know we're out here for a Super Bowl and Brock Purdy and Trent and Debo and Warner. They won ten games in two years. And I think they won five in a row to end the second season once they finally traded for Jimmy G. Yeah. So I think if you're really doing this right, which Peters and Harris seem committed to, I think they're going to stink. And it's a trust the process, build in the draft, and then in three years you're competitive. How about this? Who on the defensive side of the ball benefits most from Dan Quinn? It's a great question. Um, Maybe Jamin Davis gets a a reset. That's what I was going with. Michael went with Benjamin St. Juiced. I think it's actually Forbes. Okay. I, but I, I think Forbes might be a Joe more more even a direct to Joe Witt line. Um, the Cowboys have really had good players in the secondary, and it wasn't all uh, who's the kid the Seahawks Witherspoon, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that dude was a surefire stud, and they drafted him top ten. Like Dallas developed these dudes, and I think whether or not they reached for Forbes when Gonzalez was still on the board. Forbes was considered a first-round pick by the whole league. Maybe the whole league was wrong. Maybe he shouldn't have gone 16. Maybe he's more a 25, 30, second-rounder, whatever. They took him at 16. He has elite speed. The whole league knew how skinny he was. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not like that was a secret. Yeah. So, I, I – There's something there Maybe still. it's wishful thinking, but, like, with 
and also look at what he was brought into. Them losing Chris Harris, I guess two years ago now, and promoting Brett Wieselmeyer, everybody on that secondary took a step back. Mm-hmm. The, everything was uh, – Wieselmeyer, outside of working for Jack Del Rio, has largely worked on the high school and kind of junior college level. And then all of a sudden, he's the position coach. It, it, that's a big swing, man. And for a rookie coming into that who's undersized and early on seemed fairly unwilling to be very physical – that's a lot to try to figure out. So maybe a hard reset for Forbes could do a lot of good. JP, the other interesting thing in the press conference yesterday with Dan Quinn, Michael has a problem with him not calling the defense. What do you think about that? I don't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand what he's saying. Like, what is the CEO head coach done, and how, how is that successful? You know, I mean – Dan Campbell doesn't call anything. John Harbaugh doesn't call anything. He brought up Harbaugh, yeah, yeah. Um, Andy Reid at various times has and has not called plays. I care I care a lot more if it's offense, honestly. Okay. Calling the plays on defense, I, sure, there's blitzes and stuff, but, like, what do the numbers tell you? 85% of the time they're in nickel or dime? Like, uh, I, think, I think more defensive work is done during the week developing the game plan – for the specific opponent, and my guess is DQ will be heavily involved in that. And I think, you know, Joe Witt's probably going to be up in the booth. Frankly, I think you're better off calling defense from up in the booth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that. That's just speculation. I know Witt has worked in the booth. Um, of all my concerns, Dan Quinn not calling the defensive plays isn't high among them. JP, thanks for stopping by, man. Really appreciate it. No what problem. are you looking forward to doing most the rest of the week, man? That I can say on the radio? <laughs> um, what's that? Sphere. Yeah, we're going to the – are you going to the Sphere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Probably Sphere. Um, I, I'm also, I need to, like, just sit down and play some blackjack at some point. I haven't done that yet. Right now, what I'm looking forward to most is eating these free wings. <laughs> that the uh, Who's giving us these wings? The Bounty. The towel people? Yeah. Shout out to Bounty. <laughs> That's J.P. Finley. Check him out, B. Mitch and Finley on 106.7 The Fan. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the VCU Rams. Ram Nation, you know you can hear every game right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We're broadcasting live from Vegas, live at Radio Row, thanks to Bud Light. It's the Bud Light Big Game Week. Uh, but joining us right now here on a VCU game day on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Robbie Robinson. What's up, Robbie? Hey, Adam, man. You're in Vegas, and I'm in New York City. So we've got pretty much all the lights and uh, advertisements covered from coast to coast, I think, today. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a good one tonight. Rams at Fordham. And let's go back for a minute, though, because I just think that win against Richmond Saturday was so huge. I was talking to a few of my friends. It felt like the Penn State win, where it just erased all the negativity from the previous loss. How big did that win feel to you? Yeah, it was a huge win. I mean, I think at the very least, right now the Rams are focused on staying in the top of the conference. Uh, to get a you know first double buy in the A10 when we come back here to Brooklyn in the beginning of March, and uh, it's always great to beat the Spiders. There's no doubt 
about that. I mean, that is that is something that Ram fans really relish. But I think when you are looking at Coach Odom and you know, not necessarily caught up in a lot of the noise and like you said, the negativity, and that's obviously out there. But I think more than anything, it you know it, it brought Richmond back to the pack a little bit in terms of the standings. You now we lose that game, and we're what four or five games behind them in the standings. Now we're just a couple games. Um, behind them, and it evens things up a little bit in terms of those top four teams. That was a big part, I thought, that I came away with it, other than you know just the sheer satisfaction of being the Spiders. Yeah, and then there's team rebounding, right? I mean, I mentioned it on my show on Monday after the game, like, Max Scholga with a bunch of rebounds. Michael Bell, six rebounds off the bench. Joe Bamisil, I think, had five. Zeb had five. Like, team rebounding was so great. Hustle and extra effort. And they responded to Coach Odom calling them out publicly about their hustle and about the effort that they give. I just I hope they can keep that effort tonight in, the, in New York. Well, I think, you know, as we move forward in the season and play different teams, I think we'll see what kind of, you know, what kind of rebounding team we are. Let's, you know, be honest. Richmond's game plan, I think they would tell you this, Spider fans would tell you this, it's not to go after offensive rebounds. I mean, we did a phenomenal job rebounding. There's no doubt about that on Saturday. But, you know, we had to win that rebounding battle because they, that's not their style. Like, they put up a shot, they immediately go back and set up their defense. That's what the Spiders do. So there's a lot of rebounds to get, especially when you bring in the fact that Richmond didn't shoot the ball very well. So, you know, tonight I think will be a little bit more of a, a look and see how we do respond to Coach Odom kind of throwing down that gauntlet to the guys. I think it was, it was easy to get those on Saturday. It's going to be tougher to get them against a good athletic Fordham team today. We're, you know, we're not out of the woods yet, Adam, in terms of like establishing ourselves as you know, a great rebounding team. Just because we had one game, it doesn't really put us there. It gets us closer, and it's, you know, it definitely was a positive. But I think a lot of that had to do with the style that Richmond played. And tonight we'll, we'll see if the Rams can respond. Uh, against against this Fordham squad. Yeah, I think it's all about stringing back-to-back games of good rebounding as a team. Yeah. Robbie Robinson with us here on the hotline, play-by-play voice of the VCU Rams via Ram, Rams Unlimited. John Rothstein reported earlier today he expects Sean Barristow to make his return. The Bear is back. Yes, Chef. Thank you, Chef. Uh, looking forward to seeing him passing out of the paint. I love how many, you know, open looks he gets his teammates. How would you describe the impact that he makes on the court healthy for the Rams? I think he's enormous for us. I really do. I mean, I think beating Richmond without him, going to Davidson and beating Davidson without him, those are some pretty Herculean tasks that VCU accomplished that I think shouldn't get lost on everything. You know, having a shot to basically tie it against St. Bonaventure without Sean Barristow playing in the game, I think that says a lot about the depth and talent of this team that is sometimes overlooked. I mean, we've, I don't want to say we've been snake bit this year, you know, Adam, but I mean, we definitely haven't had a ton of good luck, especially when it comes to Barristow's health uh, from that standpoint. So he is, he's just, he knows where to go. He's one of those guys, a lot like Jordan Burgess. Everybody would always say, you know, after Jordan got done playing at BCU, people would say Jordan was just great and making sure everybody was in the right place defensively. That's what he was excellent at. And I think Sean Barristow is good at that, too. And, yes, passing the basketball, he leads the A-10 in assists per game in conference games. That's a stat that you can't deny. And when you get him out there, he finds the open man. That's more shots that are open for Shulga. That's more drives that are open for Zeb Jackson. That clears things out for Joe Bamisil. I mean, gosh, when Joe and Sean are in the game at the same time, you can't ignore Sean, which means that Joe gets a little bit more space to work, and that's where he can really operate. And that's, I think, what Bearso brings to the table. Is he's just another big option. You can't ignore him. 
You just can't. And when he's out there, it takes some of the pressure off the other guys. I, and I still, honestly, Adam, I still don't think Sean has played his best basketball. We've seen him play some good basketball, but from the offensive standpoint, I think his best basketball is ahead of him, and we have yet to see it. I love to hear that. And then you've got Max Scholga just heating up, man. I, it's so much fun to watch him when he's get it when he gets it going. He had a look in his eye last game and then ran away with 11 straight points, the threes, the, the foul shooting a three, then the steal and the dunk. I mean, it's just so great for the Rams to have a guy that can heat up like that with the quickness. Yeah, he's um... – I think really Saturday was a big step for Max, and I don't want to I don't want to over dramatize it. You know, sometimes people in our industry, Adam, we have a, we have a tendency to over dramatize things that really aren't. But I I think Max really became a part of Ram Nation on Saturday. Not that he wasn't before, but I think he really felt what it was like. I think he you know he continues to realize you know, how hard he's got to play and how important he is to this team. I think he's always important to Utah State, but, man, he is a huge cog. And I think he really saw that on Saturday. And I think I said in the postgame show, and, again, probably over-dramatized, but what the heck, that's what we do. I think he was baptized into Ram Nation on Saturday. I really feel that way. And I think that's going to be a launching point Robbie for him, Robinson um, for the rest of the year. Robbie Robinson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. we got to talk about the big man for a second. Uh, Toby and Christian Furman really bounced back from the game against St. Bonaventure where they only scored uh, one point combined. And Odom talked about that after the game, that he had a conversation with the two, especially Christian Furman. Understand the parts that you can impact the game. Blocking shots, grabbing offensive rebounds, cleaning up the glass defensively. And we saw that from Christian Furman. And I just love the relationship that Odom has with the players here where they can talk about, hey, you don't have to score 20 points, but impact the game in different ways. Yeah, I think the more that I'm around Coach Odom, the more I think that's his secret sauce, Adam, is his ability to communicate things yeah. like that to his players. Um, I just, you know, I, I think he has got a way and a knack of communicating and connecting with them where he takes a lot of the pressure off of those guys to play. Uh, but on the same token, he coaches them up to get the most out of them. And I think that's what he's doing with, with Toby and Christian right now. And these guys are still so young. I mean, they're only you know, about midway, a little bit further midway on their sophomore year. There's so much college basketball left to play for these two guys. I think as Ram fans, we want them to be awesome immediately. And they would just, you know, it takes time for college basketball players to develop, especially guys like Toby, who might not come in with, you know, decade plus of basketball experience. And Christian, who, you know, is playing against elite competition really for the first time in his life. So uh, I think the combination of those guys continue to grow within their role and getting Getting um, you know exposure and and then Coach Odom talking to them is really is, is elevating their game. They're not perfect yet, you know. They're not these huge you know enormous number bigs down low, but they're getting better every game. And I think as Ram fans, that's that's all we can really expect. It's VCU at Fordham, and the Rams are going to need another solid defensive performance to come away with the win. And I, I like how it feels like in conference play, they have started to improve every single game defensively, limiting the breakdowns. The communication has been really good, especially against Richmond. I mean, the, with that Princeton offense, it's so tough with the amount of screens and backdoor cuts. But the Rams were able to switch and hedge. I was just so impressed by that. Hopefully they can have the same defensive performance tonight. Adam, it's underrated how well we're playing defense. I don't think – I mean, last year we yeah. – teams in the whole season averaged 63 points per game. That was against what many would say when you read about it was one of the best defensive teams in the country with that ace Baldwin, Mike Rhodes squad. 
in the last seven games, since we stubbed our toe in those first two games against George Washington and uh, who uh, in St. Bonaventure, those two home games, we have allowed only 60 points per game in conference. I think you ask anybody, the conference is much better this year than it was last year. Much better. Last year, we're allowing 63 points. This year, in the last seven games, we're allowing 60. That is elite defense. I mean, we are playing – it's at the point now where I think that's going to travel and we can expect that every game. I really believe that. Like, I would be shocked if we come into today and Fordham has an offensive explosion against us, just as much as I would have been shocked last year if they would have had it. I mean, last year when you came to the ballpark, you knew that the Rams' defense was going to be there and it was going to be very difficult for the opposition to score. The first two games in the conference this year kind of threw us off that racket a little bit. But, man, the last seven, yeah. I mean, you looked at it. I mean, what was the halftime score on Saturday, 20-18? to 18? Now, Granted, you want more offense, but right. let's keep in mind, right. you're holding Richmond to 18 points. You're holding the Spiders to 18 points in the first half. They averaged 73 per game. 60 points is what they have been giving up the last seven. That is that's no joke, and that's not against like Norfolk State and you know. Or yeah. not, and, and the individual now. effort from Zeb Jackson against Jordan King, so awesome. Yeah, right. Totally. I mean, Zeb exactly. took that matchup they're, personally. Yeah. yeah, and that's they've got to do that every game, and I think they're beginning to realize that. And you know, it's always teaching guys defense and teaching guys to play defense every game is a skill for coaches, and I think Coach Odom has cracked that code with these guys. I, I really do. I feel like. They now understand they're taking pride in their defense. And once you get a bunch of college basketball players taking pride in their defense, then it becomes fun. And that's what we've had the last couple of years, and I think it's beginning to develop this year. You can hear Robbie on the call tonight right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Robbie, thanks so much for the time. All right, man. Enjoy Vegas out there, Adam. We miss you in Richmond, and we will, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yep, sounds good. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Coming up, we're going to hear my epic chat with ESPN insider Adam Schefter once again, live from Radio Row in Vegas. It's the Bud Light Big Game Week on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We're live at Radio Row in Vegas, thanks to Bud Light. I just saw the Mad Dog sitting down with Grant Polson. We'll try to wrangle him over here if that's possible, maybe even record it after the show for tomorrow as we are doing five live shows here from Vegas for the Bud Light Big Game Week. This is a, a dream come true for me and also a dream come true for Oren Burks, who's a linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers uh, that grew up in Lorton, Virginia, where I went to school. We went to high school together. He was two years after me, and uh, it's actually really cool. We spoke yesterday at the opening ceremonies. First time I've actually talked to Oren since high school, and this is a kid that I coached in basketball in the summer camp when he was in sixth grade and I was in eighth grade, and I just I knew he was going to be a star because he just had so much talent and athletic ability, and so it's a dream come true for me to get to the Super Bowl and also for Oren Burks. Let's take a listen to linebacker number 48 of the San Francisco 49ers, Oren Burks on the fan. Adam Epstein here, 910 the fan for opening day of the Super Bowl here with Oren Burks, South County legend, linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers. What's going on, bud? Man, we're here at the big game, man. It's, it's definitely a special occasion, man. It took a lot of work to get to this point, but man, it's just taking it all in, man. It's, it's been awesome. 
mean, just how do you describe this feeling of being here in Vegas for the big game? Yeah, I don't think it hit me until just now, man. Like, we, it's been a long season, so you kind of got your head down and just working. But now it's like you kind of get to enjoy a little bit. And, and then, you know, the, the guys around you, you see, like, all the, the playmakers that we have on our team. And it's a special team, a special bond that we have this year. So just got to see it through on the, on, the, on the big game, man. But ready to go. Ready Most people would say you guys have been the best team start to finish, except for the little slip-up with the three games. What changed after that? I feel like we just got back to playing our, our type of ball. Like, we knew we were, our, our backs were kind of against the wall a little bit. We knew what type of ball we were capable, capable of playing, and we just had to, to continue to do that on a consistent basis. So I feel like with that, just just confidence started, like, snowballing throughout the, the rest of the year. Like, we kind of kind of found our groove a little bit. So uh, that's, that's a big thing. you got to hit a run at the, at the time when it matters late in the year. How do you feel like you've improved throughout this season? Man, I feel like uh, this has definitely been my best year of ball. Uh, just that role of the third linebacker kind of stepping in the base defense, uh, just making the plays that come to me. And it's being confident, man. I feel like that's been the biggest thing this year, just kind of gaining that confidence and, and a great system that we have here with the Niners. And they have a great history of great linebackers and just happy to be a part of that, man. It's just the standard in the room is so high. I, I just want to just uphold that standard. Kansas City, so much talent on that roster there. How do you game plan for that? Man, you just got to stop their playmakers, which they have a lot of them, man. You always got uh, Mahomes and Kelsey and a number of Pacheco, you know, all those guys that can, can make plays. But for us, it's just being sound defense, uh, staying on top of our, our execution and our, and our game plan and uh, just, just playing hard. I feel like that's, uh, just, that's the identity of our defense is like a physicality that we bring to, to the game. So just bringing that every single snap, making the feel us in the fourth quarter. So. I want to go back to your childhood, your upbringing. What little moves along the way? What coaches kind of helped you get to this point? Man, there's so many different coaches, man. Uh, I, I look at Pannoni, man. Like, I was a basketball guy until, like, my freshman year of high school. And then I, you, you look at the Van Dykes, like both Ronnie and, yeah. and, and uh, Kwamina uh, really being an important role for me just getting to this point. Uh, they were telling me early, like, you're going to be a football player. And I, I was denying it at first. But, you know, I'm, I'm here at the biggest stage in, in football, and, and it's a blessing to be here, man. It's, it's so many people back in Lorton that I have so much love for, and I uh, can't wait to get back, man, and share, share this with them. So. Through the up and downs of your career, how have you kind of stayed focused through everything? Man, I feel like my family's been a huge foundation for me, uh, just in terms of, like, consistency. My wife has done a great job uh, being a support system for me. My my, my parents, I, like, extended family, and just to, like, I feel like along the way, there's always been one or two people that have, like, said, I believe in you, you can do this, and, and that just means the world, and I, I hope to be that for somebody else so, uh, coming up the ranks. Hopefully from South Cali, they can make it to this ranks as well, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a special special ordeal, man. Warren Burks, linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers. Do you guys talk at all in the locker room about the fact that this matchup happened three years ago? Yeah, there's definitely some history with this matchup uh, going back to, was that, 2019, and there's a, there's a couple guys that are on the team that were from that game, so it definitely still adds a little little extra uh, motivation this year. Uh, but it's two it's two completely different teams. Like when you think about it, like we have different stories, different uh, contexts uh, to this game right here. But uh, we're looking to take care of business when it comes down to it on Sunday. You're on the field right now. What do you think you need to learn, and what do you think you guys as a team need to accomplish this week in preparation for the game Sunday? I think just the, the amount of focus that we have, especially with a lot of, like, you got the huge media day like this, just, like, staying in a routine of, like, what we've been doing all season and uh, doing what we did to, to get here. You know, that's the biggest thing. And, like, we don't have to change anything drastic. And we just have to be our best when our, when our best is required. Warren, appreciate the time, man. Yeah, Thanks man. a lot. Appreciate you, Adam, man. It's good to see you, brother. You too, man.
That was Oren Burks, linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers. As we're broadcasting live from Vegas, the Bud Light Big Game. Week 5 shows from Vegas. Good food, good drinks. And with that being said, let's close the show with an impromptu dude food. Stub, let me hear that sounder. Dude food. We're not responsible for the content of this program. Or anything we say when we're really hungry. Where's my food? Dude, where's my food? food? The most delicious food you've ever tasted. Yes! All right, Stubbs, so you're not our fast food foodie. That was Ryan McBrown. We had to have an intervention with McBrown after I caught him going to McDonald's three to four times a week uh, when he was working with 910 The Fan. But uh, as a fast food uh, connoisseur, you go all the time. Have you thought anything about the McDonald's story here? The, The CEO admitting that the burger giant sales have taken a hit as jacked up menu prices have turned off core customers do you have a take on this uh it's curious because there is something to consider that there are also a good amount of people striking mcdonald's right now so it's hard to to say what is the main cause of that uh i don't think the mcdonald's prices have gone up i think if you use the app it's still the cheapest fast food place unless you're talking about taco bell and you're getting dollar menu items but i don't know i i i I (laughs) haven't noticed it too much here in richmond Okay. Well, I, I thought it was an interesting story, uh, though. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I, I have seen the backlash. They were claiming $18 Big Mac combos, $6 hash rounds. Uh, we're here from Vegas with the big game coming up on Sunday. And Darren Ravel just reported that available at this year's Super Bowl in Vegas is the ultimate seafood stuffed potato Ooh. with mac and cheese. Stub, oh. I just tweeted this to you. All right, I sent it to you. On Twitter, I want you to take a look at this picture. It looks amazing. Now, I, I guarantee you it doesn't taste very good, and I don't think I would enjoy eating that at a football oh game. Goodness. But is it, a, it is a colossal baked potato stuffed with creamy mac and cheese, topped with king crab legs, main lobster, a grilled lemon. It's forty nine ninety nine though. <laughs> oh. How about that? If, if it was in front of me, I would body it. No world I pay 50 bucks for it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it looks beautiful. It really does. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I do love, like, taking mac and cheese to the next level. I've never thought about putting mac and cheese inside of a baked potato. You know I am pro-potatoes. I'll eat any type of potatoes, tots, fries, curly fries. It doesn't matter. I appreciate everybody listening to the show. We'll be back tomorrow at 12 Noon in Richmond, 9 a.m. here in Vegas as we're doing the Bud Light Big Game Week. Don't go anywhere. It's Grant and Danny coming up next on The Fan.